Thank you. I also want to thank Lynn Hargrove for assisting in worship today. She's our general presbyter for administrative administrative general presbyter and stated clerk for administrative process. Well, bless your heart. (laughs) I don't want to even fit on a bumper sticker. But our heart goes out to you in the loss of Forbes Baker and more recently Carrie Walker, two of your staff members that joined the church triumphant. Yeah. Well, thank you. You can thank Jimmy Quinn for sending me a Facebook note that today is International Joke Day. So I'll begin with what I was going to begin anyway. (laughs) A Sunday school teacher was examining her pupils after a series of lessons on God's omnipotence. And she asked, is there anything that God can't do? And one little boy held up his hand and said, he can't please everybody. He must have been a PK. That's preacher's kid. Jesus warned his disciples that they would not be able to please everybody. They would not always be received with open arms. Sometimes they'd be received with open threats. If they were not received, though, they were to shake off the dust of their feet and move on. However, there would be some that would receive them, and for those there would be great rewards. Earlier in the 10th chapter, Jesus gave his disciples their marching orders for their first missionary journey. He told them not to take any money or any extra clothes with them, instructed them to depend upon the hospitality of strangers for their food, for their clothing, for shelter. And he warned them that they would not always be well received. Indeed, He warned them that they would be persecuted. He didn't sugarcoat the situation that they would be facing. He warned them that would be pain and persecution, criticism and complaints, disgrace and even death would accompany their efforts to serve as messengers of Jesus. But here in these final words, before he sends them off, he promises rewards. Rewards that would transform them as they extend hospitality to others, to those who would welcome them. Several years ago, there was a series of commercials that featured a big, hairy Viking who was the spokesman for Capital One Visa Card, and at the end of the commercial, he wants to know, what's in your wallet? The hairy Viking wants you to know that if you have a Capital One card in your wallet, you will receive great rewards. I think now he's been replaced by a kindler, gentler Jennifer Garner. But George Carlin once wondered, why is it called instant credit when it's really instant debt? Every credit card company gives you this card and is trying to convince you that running up even more debt is a rewarding thing to do. If we just use their card for all our purchases, they will be recipients of wonderful rewards. 
discounted merchandise, frequent flyer miles, room upgrades, cash back formulas, all promised by various cards as our reward for jacking up our monthly bill. <laughs> but for the most part, those perks and presents are trotted out in order to draw our attention away from the escalating balances and the bank's interest rates. A reward shouldn't steal your soul away. A reward should set your soul soaring. Jesus says there are rewards for doing something as simple as handing out a cup of cold water. James Cox writes, In our North American culture, we tend to limit our hospitality to a limited number of people, the people that we already know, relatives and friends and maybe even church friends, But in Jesus' time, hospitality was extended to whoever needed it, strangers and acquaintances alike. In fact, in its original form, hospitality combines two separate words, friend and stranger. So from the beginning of its usage, hospitality was carried with it the idea of making friends of strangers. The famous anthropologist Margaret Mead was once asked, What was the earliest sign of civilization in any given culture? The questioner expected to hear a clay pot or a fish hook or a grinding stone, but her answer was a healed femur. The femur is the leg bone above the knee. She explained no healed femurs are found where the law of the jungle survival of the fittest reigns. A healed femur shows someone cared. Someone had to do that injured person's hunting and gathering until the leg healed. The evidence of compassion, she said, is the first sign of civilization. And I would contend it's also the first sign of the work of Christ in the life of a Christian. In Romans 12, 1, the Apostle Paul appeals, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is our spiritual worship Jesus sent his disciples out to be living sacrifices suspecting subjecting their bodies to persecution dependent on the hospitality of strangers in hopes of being received and moving on when they weren't a woman's church group was about to give some Christmas presents to some missionary families. And after meticulously selecting the presents based on the family's needs, sizes, ages, they gathered to pack them. And that's when another member whisked in, plopped an almost new man's coat on the table. It was given to her husband and he didn't like it. And she turned to go and suggested maybe one of the missionaries could use it. Well, some of the ladies were upset Giving away something someone didn't want isn't exactly a sacrifice. The coat wouldn't fit anyone in the missionary family. Obviously, this woman hadn't given much time or thought to the project. But the other presents didn't completely fill the barrel, so they used it as packing material. At Christmas, they received a letter from the missionary family. They thanked them For their many gifts, especially the miracle gift. Someone came in during a storm. A destitute man knocked on the door. So ill-dressed for the cold that they invited him to stay until the storm passed. 
Even though their visitor would have no gifts in the barrel, they decided to open it anyway and discovered the coat. It fit perfectly. What some thought was a thoughtless throwaway turned out to be a miracle gift. James Snelling of Richmond, Virginia, gives a thoughtful gift every day. He's 72 years old. Every morning, weather, unless the weather's really bad, he stands at the corner of Maple Avenue and Bremo Road in Richmond, and what he does is simply waves to the passing motorists. He's become kind of a self-appointed ambassador of goodwill on that corner every day at 7.15 until 9 a.m. And he's not as spry as he used to be. He uses a cane as he stands there. And he said, women are generally more generous in responding to his greeting than men. One day he counted 180 women waving back and only 75 men. And he went on to say, you know, I just do it for the fun of it. And what I found is if you're nice to people, welcoming to people, they respond and they are nice in return. Now that's a simple kind of thing. But how profound that is. Hospitality is simply the ability to make another person feel welcome in a sincere kind of way. In a lonely world where people are rushing from one place to another, someone dares to break through that barrier by waving as a sign of hospitality. One day, a man stopped in a convenience store to get a newspaper, and he noticed that the owner of the store had tears in his eyes, and he kept looking out the window. And so the man asked what was going on. He said, well, you see that bench over there? There's a woman who comes there every day around this time, and she sits there for an hour waiting. Buses come and go, but she never gets on one, and no one ever gets off to meet her. And the other day, I carried a cup of coffee and sat with her for a while. Her only son lives long away and a long way away, and she saw him last two years ago. And when he boarded one of the buses, that was where he aborted. He's married now, and she has never met her daughter-in-law or seen their new child. She told me it helps to come here and wait. I pray for them, and I knit little things for the baby, and I imagine them in their tiny apartment, saving money to come home. I can't wait to see them. Well, the reason the owner was looking out the window at that moment was he saw the three of them, the son, his wife, their small child getting off the bus. The look on the woman's face when this family fell into her arms was one of pure joy. And this joy only increased when she looked into the face of her grandchild for the first time. The store owner said, I'll never forget that look. Well, the next day, the same man came into the same convenience store, and the owner was behind the counter. And before he could say anything, the customer said, you sent her the money, didn't you? He said, yeah. And then he said, I'll never forget that look as long as I live. This man has discovered the measure of abundant life. His cup of cold water was a cup of hot coffee. The New Colossus is a sonnet by American poet Emma Lazarus, 1849 to 1877. And she wrote 
a sonnet in 1833, 1883, sorry, to raise money for the construction for the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. Initially, she refused the request to write it, but she was finally convinced that the statue would be of great significance to immigrants sailing into the harbor. She was involved in aiding Jewish refugees who come to New York fleeting anti-Semitic pogroms in Eastern Europe. And she saw this as a way to express her empathy for these refugees in terms of the statue. The new Colossus was the first entry read at the exhibit's opening, November 2, 1883. And the most quoted portion of the sonnet was set to music by Irving Berlin for the 1949 Broadway musical, Miss Liberty. I have a clip of Irving singing that song. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, to me I lift my lamp beside the golden door give me your tired your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shards and these the homeless tempest be able to write the sonnet that raised the money to provide a pedestal for the Statue of Liberty that has welcomed people from all over the world to New York Harbor, but we can give a re-gifted giveaway coat, a morning wave, a cup of hot coffee, or even a cup of cold water to Patsy, or a child to pass on to Rachel. Those are small gestures to be sure. But Jesus said, he who receives you receives me. And in offering small acts of kindness, a person is really doing a large act of helping someone else receive the good news that all are welcomed into God's family. We can lift our lamp beside our open door, at our open table, with open arms. Now, keeping in mind that Pastor Jeff and Amy and Craig are on their way to Spain to immerse themselves in the Spanish language and culture, I would say, mi casa es su casa. My house is your house. Mi iglesia es su iglesia. My church is your church. 
Mi mesa es su mesa. My table is your table. And when we gather at the Lord's table, we do so knowing we've been welcomed into the family of God and as such are enjoying the hospitality of not strangers, but friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. May what we do be a way of repaying the Lord and our friends for their hospitality. May we do that as responding to God's call in our lives to be living sacrifices, to offer welcome to all. And if we do, we'll be certain to receive a far greater reward than fits in anyone's wallet. We'll not only receive a prophet's reward, a righteous man's reward, we'll receive everlasting rewards. Like the little boy answering his teacher's question in Sunday school, we may not be able to please everybody, but it pays to please the Lord, even if it's sharing a cup of cold water, because there are great rewards. Mitasa es su tasa. My cup is your cup. Let us pray. Lord, how blessed we are. You have poured out your love and mercy upon us. Thank you for providing for us, calling us to share your love with others. May your peace be upon each and every one of us. And may we, like those first disciples, do so ready to share what we have experienced, to share your love with others, and hope that they too will receive what we have received from you. May we not be daunted by rejection, but persevere knowing one day we will receive our ultimate reward, your welcome home to us in eternity. This week as we celebrate Independence Day in America, we know each day how much we remain dependent on your love and care for us. And the love we have for one another. Help us to remember in the midst of national pride that you are the God of all people and all nations. And that your kingdom is not of this world. Help us to work in this country for freedom and justice for all. And not to shy away from sharing hard truths or moments that call for repentance and reparation. And also help us remember that our hope. And our pride is found most powerfully in the love we share for you and for one another. Until we see you face to face, may we continue to experience your peace this day. And may the peace of Christ be with us as we seek to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us give thanks. Holy God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, with joy we praise you and give thanks to your name. You commanded light to shine out of darkness, divided the sea and the dry land, created the vast universe and called it good. You made us in your image 
to live with one another in love. You gave us the breath of life and the freedom to choose your way. You promised yourself in covenant with Abraham and Sarah, told us your purpose and purpose and commandments through Moses, called for justice in the cry of the prophets. Through long generations, you have been faithful and kind to all your children. Great and wonderful are your works, Lord God Almighty. Your ways are just and true. Therefore, we lift our hearts in joyful praise. In Jesus' name. We praise you, most holy God, for sending your only Son to live among us, sharing our joys and sorrows. He told your story. He healed the sick, and he was a friend of sinners. Obeying you, he took up his cross and died that we might live. We praise you that he overcame death and is risen to rule the world. He is still the friend of sinners. Thanks be to God. We trust him to overcome every power that can hurt or divide us and believing that when he comes in glory, we will celebrate victory with him. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we break the bread and share one cup, giving thanks for your saving love in Jesus Christ. As you raised our Lord from death and call us with him from death to life, we give ourselves to you to live for him in joy and grateful praise. Merciful God, send now in kindness your Holy Spirit to come over these common elements that we may know Christ's presence real and true and be his faithful followers showing your love. Therefore, we offer and present to you our very selves to be a living sacrifice dedicated and fit for your acceptance through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This is not a Presbyterian table. It is the Lord's table, his table, his mesa. (laughs) Anyone who trusts Jesus as Lord and Savior is welcome to celebrate in this celebration today. And as we take the communion, we have gluten-free bread available in a separate cup in each tray. And we serve both wine and juice. The wine is in the outer circle and juice in the inner circle. As you pass the elements, you may say to your neighbor, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. So hear now the words of institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread. And after giving thanks for it, he took it and he broke it. Sometimes it's easier than others. This way. Okay. Oh, there's a slip. (laughs) And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup saying, this cup is the communion of my body and blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup with thanksgiving, 
we offer ourselves to God in grateful praise. Will the elders please come forward? He is everything I need, so I will not worry. I will not fear the enemy. He said that he loves me. He said that he's with me even though I walk through the valley of shadow and death and still. He has good plans. He has good plans for me. So I will take heart in deserts and gardens. He has good plans. He has good plans for me. If I know my father, I know my father has good plans. The Lord is my Savior, so why should I doubt my victory? Why would I question the rod and the staff that comfort me? 